Good Dog. Welcome to another episode of Good Dog Talk. This is Fiona Mathias. I started to plan this podcast series early in the year, before any of us had heard of coronavirus. The earliest meeting I set up was with two gregarious founders of the charity Therapy Dogs Nationwide, Eileen Hodge and Eileen Slattery. I had planned to open the series with an edited version of our long chat, long only because they were so incredibly enthusiastic about what they, their volunteers and their dogs were doing. Then COVID-19 struck and took over all our lives. Therapy Dogs Nationwide has a network of about 900 volunteers who go into schools, nursing homes, hospitals, prisons and even airports and building sites. Or they did until restrictive measures were imposed in varying degrees. Although the services their dogs provide remain curtailed, the work they do will be needed, and maybe to a greater degree than ever before. I have decided to broadcast this podcast for two reasons. The first is that charities such as Therapy Dogs Nationwide still need support to ensure that their network will be available as soon as they are physically allowed back into institutions. And secondly, what we cover in this interview illustrates the difference therapy dogs can make. And with a little imagination and optimism, we should be planning to use them as soon as life resembling normal returns. I'm Eileen Hodge and I'm co-founder and trustee and area team leader for Therapy Dogs Nationwide. And hello, and I'm Eileen Slattery. I'm a trustee and I'm a co-founder and I'm chairman of Therapy Dogs Nationwide. Great, it's lovely to meet you both. Right, I'm gonna start in a slightly backward fashion and ask you about Therapy Dogs UK now and the sort of network that you have uh, around the country. Well, I think we're very lucky because we've got an awful lot of volunteers uh, around the country now. We've got some in Scotland and uh, Northern Ireland, down Cornwall Way, and there's quite a lot in North Wales, um, Lincolnshire. We've actually got them peppered about everywhere now. We've even got one in Butte up in Scotland. And we're very lucky because people are joining us all the time. Originally, they started with four of us. And there are over 900 now. Wow, wow, that's great. And a, a lot of it is all basically word of mouth. At the moment, we seem to be pioneering health and well-being everywhere. Um, it seems, I think it started last year to be more in the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, I've just, um, what's the word, um, started, um, I've had conversations with victim support for North Wales, they would like us. It's not just victims that TDN supports, but they also operate in prisons and secure units. Is that um, really coming from, say, the prison sides, or is it you being proactive? How, how has I, that I think developed? I think it's the media has brought it to the forefront. Mm -hmm. So, so many avenues are reading about mental health awareness, suicide awareness. Yeah. So that's across the spectrum of, of businesses, prisons, anything to do with the national health. Um, I had a building site on um, a famous building construction firm 
and they wanted therapy dogs to come in to the building site. Really? Yeah, for, That's so interesting. For Suicide Awareness Week. If, if they've got problems, mental problems, or just ordinary everyday problems, just being around the dog and the volunteer just takes their mind off everything. Um, they just love to be um, tactile, to stroke the dog, to, as you say, to talk to the dog. Um, and our volunteers as well. Our volunteers are brilliant listeners. Yes. We mm-hmm. all are. Yeah. We, we have no point of view. We just accept what everybody's saying and then we don't pass it on either. Mm-hmm. As soon as they see the dog, it's the smiles come on. And of course, it releases happy endorphins in your body. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a story to tell about a dog. The dog is just an amazing catalyst to bring them all together mm-hmm. that they smile at. Eileen Hodge. Where, wherever we go, um, everything's different. Yeah. Um, nothing is set in stone. Mm. Nothing is the same. Um, actually, we're, we're good at being a bit of a chameleon yeah. because you can actually blend in and provide what the establishment or the place you're visiting wants because we, we can tailor make it at the time. You might go in one day and all the children that you're going to see want to read to you. You go in the next day and as Eileen said, um, you're with the, I would say, the naughtier children. Mm-hmm. You would sooner throw a chair through a window or, you know, <laughs> jump on the desk and stop fighting. So we tailor make ourselves to the situation. Mm-hmm. But the, the main factor is people concentrate on the dog. So we step aside. Tell me something about the training. And that the dogs and I presume the owners, the, the handlers, are going through as well because there have to be dogs have to behave in a certain way for you. But also, you were talking about how you are when you go into places about you know non judgmental, and um, I presume that there, are, you know, that there's stuff that owners have to learn about the whole set up well, in different situations. We do have a handbook and in it there's various scenarios on how to approach people, especially if they've had a stroke. You know, don't go to the side that's paralysed and expect them to stroke your dog. It's common sense. Yes. A, a lot of it is super common sense. Dog owners are very aware as well because of people's body language, if they like the dog and of situations. So we have a handbook and we have lots of different scenarios, do's and don'ts, but we have to, I think, whereas the volunteer is concerned, is rely on the common sense. Now, they are looked after when they uh, start uh, with an ATL, which is an area team leader, which Eileen Hodge is one, and they monitor and help that new volunteer. They actually will buddy up go in on their first visits with them right so if as questions arise and situations change they're there on hand to say well, you know go around mm-hmm. the other side she's deaf in that ear go go to the other side you can hear you better. yeah it's it's that kind of thing mm-hmm. um the dogs now they come from, because the dogs come from everywhere some of them um we've got they're from romania they've been rescued mm-hmm. uh, some of them are absolutely pure breeds um most we, of them seem to have gone through um, a pet obedience training with, yeah, their, yeah. with their handlers. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> and then they have to go through our assessment. Mm. Um, we have trained assessors um, who, it, who assess the dogs. And it's mainly their 
um, temperament that we're after, how they naturally react to certain um, scenarios. That's what we're after, not super trained, because if it's super trained, um, something could happen that the volunteer hasn't trained for. Mm -hmm. So we would never know how the dog would react. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's their overall demeanour. Yes, and their, it is. Yeah. You know, not overreacting yes. to yeah. you know, not, yeah. somebody we, we dropping don't want and smashing up the leg. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. We don't want dogs mm. like yeah. little robots. We, we want a dog with a bit of character. Mm. And it's not how they actually react to, I mean, a loud noise, a dog will go, oh, oh, mm. oh. It's how quickly they recover, yeah. as if to say, oh, well, that's nothing, I'm not bothered about that. Mm. Um, and some dogs don't even react to the noise. <laughs> Especially the deaf one that we've got. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We've got a deaf one that uh, goes by hand signals. Yeah. Brilliant. I know, so um, mm. we've got three-legged dogs, mm. one-eyed dogs. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't even have but to be If people contact us and they've got puppies, and we, we ask them to get a registered dog trainer. The Kennel Club do provide lists mm. and they have um, a programme. I always call it the Dog Olympics because it's different stages. It's three stages. Mm. There's the bronze medal, the silver medal and the gold medal. Yes. Um, <laughs> a lot of the dogs that we have are all gold medal uh, Kennel Club dogs. Mm. They've all gone through that kind of system. I personally uh, didn't train, uh, go to any of these places because I trained my own dog. Like Eileen Hodgson, mm. I trained her own yeah, dog, yeah. and it, it's not necessarily you need the gold medals, you need the dog that will be obedient, do exactly what you tell them, but has a character. But I wanted to know do the dogs get stressed by it all? Eileen Slattery. We know when the dog is, is feeling uneasy. I took mine to the Houses of Parliament. And he was getting lots of cuddles, all the big posh MPs were there, mm. all the people who, you know, were running the country. And I looked down at my dog and I thought, my dog wants a wee. Mm. And I had to excuse myself and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to take him outside. He needs to go out. And there was humming and hawing, and where can he go? How can we get through security? I said, he really needs to go out. <laughs> anyway, they found us this rooftop terrace and he went for a wee. So then I was allowed to go in. So... Because you know your dog, you watch your dog, you want to one with your dog, you do know if your dog is getting browned off, fed up. Some dogs don't like going to into nursing homes because it's too hot. Um, yes, of course. Um, some, some dogs don't like children, so they wouldn't go into schools. The dogs wear fluorescent coats or the bandana. So immediately if you go in anywhere, you know that dog is a bit different. Mm. It's like you see a guide dog or a hearing dog for the deaf. They're in uniform. Everyone says, oh, this is different. This is not, you know, Rover come in the pub or something. <laughs> this dog is on a mission. You know, what's he doing? Mm. So, um, but I chose this bright yellow because people who are partially blind will pick the colour up. It's one of those colours that they can see. Right. Um, mm. Even though... The dogs trust have got the yellow and black and what have you, um, but we still chose it for that reason. Mm. Um, it's something that catches your eye instantly. Because we thought we're going into lots of nursing homes, partially sighted people, especially if your dog, your dog's black, lying on a carpet. Yeah. Yes. 
you know, at the foot of, of a little old lady. Uh, if he's got a fluorescent jacket on, you'll see him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't be blamed for that one. That's true. Yeah. Seeing what my dog does gives me such a lovely, warm, proud feeling. Mm. It really does. So if it does it for me, it must do it for every volunteer. So we get something out of this, not just the dogs. Um, we do with mm. showing what our dogs can do. Even if we're not recognised by the people that we go and see the dog is, you can sit back and think, that's mine. That's my dog. <laughs> and look what he's doing. I, I remember the first time I went into a hospital and um, we came out and we got in the car and I was driving along the M53 and I, I just punched the air and nearly broke my uh, fingers on the roof of the car. <laughs> And I went, yes, we did good today. And it was an amazing feeling. Tell me about Pause and Read. Uh, Pause and Read is um, <coughs> a Kennel Club-backed scheme, which mm. is, um, the Kennel Club is Bark and Read. Um, and it's to go into schools, take um, a dog into school, where the children will just sit and read to the dog. Mm. Um, Non-judgmental, of course. Um, we And the volunteer doesn't correct the child or anything. What it's tailored to do is to give the child more confidence in reading um, by not pulling them down, not saying you've done that wrong or anything like that. But this self-confidence then transfers across the whole of their schoolwork. Um, it's been proved that um, a dog going into school doing pause and read can... Um, improve their reading ability by a year to two years um, over a certain length of time. I think it's a full year. Eileen Slattery. You've also got to, to remember the kid doesn't want to read. He's embarrassed, he's shy, whatever. So he's struggling to get through a paragraph. You stick the dog in the mix and he's wanting to get to the end of the next page and the next page because he can stay mm -hmm. and talk and read the story to the dog. And as the story is progressing, you know, the pirates getting to the top of the, the, the mast, I, I always say, what happens next? And you read the next page. Mm. But I've always said to the children, the hardest part here is you've got to hold your book, turn the page, and stroke the dog at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they, they all have a giggle on that. Yeah. But it, at least it... it takes a little bit of the stress away yes, to start yeah. off with. Mm. The hardest part for me was hearing the same story over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> and still have to say, what happens next? Yeah. Knowing full well. Wow. <laughs> Look at that picture of the shark. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and I've had kids who couldn't read and they come in with a book. <laughs> One little kid come in with a book because the teachers let them choose their own book. He comes in and he sits down and I looked at the book and it was a Lego catalogue. <laughs> so all it was was pictures of um, Lego bricks made up into a plane or a ship. So we sat there and because he had communication problems, we turned over the page quietly and I'd say, wow, what's that? It's a ship. I say, oh, it is, dear. Oh, look at that. That's a horse. No, it's a car. <laughs> so, although he couldn't read, 
you can get interaction mm. like that mm-hmm. by using common sense. You think, crikey, the Leno calendar, what, <laughs> you know, how am I getting on here? How, how are we going to make sense of this? Mm-hmm. Well, he, he went away. He interacted right through that uh, catalogue. Mm. You know, and I wrote a few Christmas lists out for my nephews <laughs> while I was there. <laughs> so um, it's, yeah. it's, it's Everybody wins. Yeah, it's win-win. Yeah. yeah. We all adore our dogs. I think that's the main factor. I answer the phone all day to people and they all say, oh, my dog's just gorgeous. And I have to, I don't have to, but I'll sit and listen to them, mm-hmm. why they infuse and why they want to join. And 99.99% of them say that they want to join because the dog is too good. They can't keep the dog to themselves. What a lovely way to finish. Good dog.